Thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you, Jesus. So we're in this new series. It's called uh, The Cross and Kingdom Community. And um, in our theme for this year as a church and probably for the next three years or so, the theme is simply this, kingdom-focused. God is calling us to be kingdom-focused. Amen? Amen. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to go through these chapters. So why would this book be appropriate for us as a church this year? Well, let me just give just a, a little bit of, you know, the background. Paul wrote this letter to the church of Corinth, and it really wasn't his first letter. Actually, it was uh, a second letter. This letter was written as a response to some issues that were happening in the church. Uh, does the church ever experience issues? Okay. <laughs> and so Paul writes regarding the issues that were happening in the church that was of great concern to him. I'm just going to give some background. Corinth was the largest, most cosmopolitan city in Greece. It would be considered to New York or Atlanta or Dallas or just a really large city. The port was point of connection for commerce and trade, and it would attract all kinds of different people from uh, religious backgrounds, occupations, and ethnicities. I want us to really understand Corinth a little bit. It was a melting pot of extreme paganism. Corinth was filled with all kinds of idolatry and immorality, and particularly sexual immorality. High on top of um, the city was a temple, the temple of Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love, which employed, listen to this, a thousand prostitutes. And so every night they would come down into the city and they would disperse themselves to commence their trade. I want us to see this city. Corinth was a central city of perverse sexual immoral activity. I want us to keep in mind that when you think of Corinth and you think of Romans, Paul was in Corinth when he was writing about Rome. Paul had a tough time in the city where he went and he actually preached. At first, he was very discouraged. Um, God had called him to this city, and Paul knew that it was going to be challenging to get this message to these people that had nothing to do with God. Have the Lord ever called you to go speak to someone and you know going in that they don't want to talk about Jesus? And we kind of back up and sometimes we try to convince ourselves that they don't really need to have that discussion, don't we? And we struggle. But God knows. And so 
he was discouraged, he was frightened, and he wanted to leave. But the Lord um, appeared to him in a vision in Acts 18. And the Lord says, Paul, don't be afraid. Uh, keep on speaking the gospel. Don't be silent, for there are many people in the city. I want us to think about this. I want us to think about the fact that if we don't step into what God is calling us to do, that the people that are waiting for us to show up, that they will continue to suffer and perish and feel the weight of that. You can only imagine the challenges that ensued in a church such as the one in Corinth. This was a place where there was, there was a consistent quest for power and pleasure and wealth and idolatry. There was great division in the, in the city and also in the church. Great sexual immorality in the city, in the culture that had crept into the church. One writer said the problem was not that Corinth was in, that the church was in Corinth, but too much of Corinth was in the church. I'm going to say it again. The problem was not that the church was uh, in Corinth. It was that there was too much Corinth in the church. So Paul writes this letter to remind them of what the church is and how the church is called to care for one another, to protect one another from sin and to serve one another in Christ with love. And how the church should be distinct from the culture around it. I believe just as Corinth was in the Corinthian church in the first century, that too much of Corinth, that today we have too much of America in the American church. Now, I'm just going to say this up front because I'm praying that I don't lose and that we don't lose any of you as we go through this series. But we're going to say some things that the word says. <laughs> and we're going to be as yielded to God's spirit as we can because we have to not be comfortable with having the, the world occupy the church and we feel as though that we can influence the world with God's kingdom. And so one of the challenges that we face today, especially in a nation that's built on democracy with the First Amendment, that we feel as though that, um, that our rights are critically important and our opinions are of most and the highest value. And when we come to Christ and we're in his kingdom, we have to be willing to reconcile our values and our opinions to God's word. If, you, if you're challenged with reconciling your value system to God's word, you will never walk in what God is calling you to walk in. Because you will always want God to, to condescend down to where you think it should be. Uh, this is not going to be a, 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 a shouting message. And neither, I think, a shouting series because God is trying to set some things in order in our life. He's trying to set some things in order in our church. 
Because he's not calling us to just be this, where we come together on Sunday morning. <laughs> he's calling us to be a kingdom-focused church that is moving out. And the only reason why we're going to be of impact is that we have something that other people that call themselves church or Christians don't have. Oh, Jesus, help me, help me. What we have is a willingness to be obedient to God's word, to walk it out. <laughs> so as we grow as a church, we want to care for every single member in our church community. As we go as a church, we want to be faithful to God's word as God's people in a changing culture. So how, how do we do both? How do we reconcile these? How do we grow as a church in a way that cares for everybody and yet live and engage in a culture that's increasingly pop, unpopular, that it is increasingly unpopular for us to be faithful to God's word? It's so important for you to understand what the word says. And to make sure that you're not moving the boundaries of what God says to, uh, to accommodate what the culture is bearing down and telling you. Hmm. So buckle up for the journey. <laughs> We're going to be in 1 Corinthians for a while. So here's where we're going over the next few months. So here's where we're going. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, we will see how the cross of Christ and the word of God are the foundations of our faith. Upon which we stand. In chapters 3 and 4, we will discover how the cross of Christ and the word affects the way that we view and we understand um, and we respond to work to our leadership in the church. In, chapters, uh, five, in chapter 5, um, it teaches us how to think about discipline and restoration and what it looks like in a kingdom community. <laughs> in chapter 6, it shows how God defines sexual immorality which is totally contrary to the way that the world defines it. Stay with me, stay with me. And we're going to call one another, listen, we're going to call one another to, to live lives that are holy and pure before the Lord. This is not us trying to live to try to make each other feel good, but it's us living before the Lord. Amen? Okay. In chapter 7, we'll learn what the Bible says about marriage and divorce and singleness. Chapters 8 and 9 and 10, we're going to identify practical ways for us to live for God's glory in a culture that's filled with idols. Do we have any idols in our lives? In chapter 11, we will understand what the scripture says about worship 
chapters 12 through 14. We're going to spend some time talking about spiritual gifts. Do you know what yours are? God gives spiritual gifts in the church. And then chapter, in, um, sorry, chapter 13, we will talk about how God defines love. Y'all know the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? It has everything to do with it. The problem is we have misconstrued and perverted love, and we think lust is love. Oh, Jesus. That's why we can say we're in love with you today, and tomorrow, because you did me something wrong, I don't love you anymore, because we don't understand love. Okay. Chapter 15, we're going to talk about the power of, the resur- of, of resurrection to transform our lives. Resurrection is not just about Jesus dying and he raised, he's raised from the dead and now we can enter into God's kingdom. But we can live resurrected lives today. What does that look like? And in chapter 16, we'll see how when our lives are transformed, it would lead us to live generous lives in the area of giving. So everybody say, that's a long journey. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to take our time. There are going to be some other voices that's going to be up here. But we believe that this is where God wants us to start this journey. Amen. So um, this is something that we don't do a lot in church, but I'm going to re- just read chapter 1. Anybody have a Bible? Physical Bible or you have your iPhone or your Samsung. Just grab something to look on because... You know, it's amazing we come to church, but we very rarely read the word in church together. And so I'm going to actually read this because I'm going to pick this up from the, from the NIV and just follow along with me. Amen? Everybody say foundation. Okay. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and our brother sustenance to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I thank God, I thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you are eagerly, as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. I'm going to say that again. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly 
united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some, of, some from Chiol's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you say, I follow Paul. Another say, I, fo- I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except uh, uh, Priestess and Gaius. So no one can say that they were baptized in my name. And yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not remember if I baptized anyone else. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosophy of this age? Has God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded a sign, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than the human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, verse 26, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things that, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that none may boast in himself. Verse 30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. This chapter, this entire book, everything that's outlined in this book, it focuses on one thing. On the cross. See, Paul makes it very clear that what makes the church distinct, what makes the church different from any social club, 
any organization, any business, any other gathering, anything else. What sets it apart is the cross of Christ. The church is a kingdom community formed by the cross, centered on the cross, and not just the church collectively, but each one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. As a result, when followers of Jesus Christ come together in the church, the cross should influence their entire community with one another. Y'all still with me? In the way that they relate to one another, in the way that they care for one another, in the way that they serve one another, in the way that they love one another, the cross is at the center, in the way that they live out their marriages, in the way that they experience family, the cross is at the center, in the way that they give to others and in the way that they go into the world, the cross is at the center. It is all shaped and formed by the cross. Paul addresses many issues in this letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be talking about leadership and discipline and sexuality. And, and we went through the whole list of things. But every time Paul talks about these items or these, these areas, it was all centered on the cross. And how the cross comes and helps us to navigate those things. <laughs> 